Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anyway, okay, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tetris Podcast. My name is Daniel. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Anker. Half of will be joining us shortly, we believe. Uh, yeah, we do the podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. Um, if you're listening on an Apple device, leave a five-star review or read on the show. We did get one this week, so I'll just go ahead and get this one out of the way. From India, from a guy called PC Red. He said, great podcast. Didn't miss a single episode since Paul from United Rant recommended this for the World Cup preview. Absolutely love HH. Shout out to Paul. I think we might have Paul on next week. Don't hold me to it. You know, things pop up, but I think he's scheduled to come on next week. Carl, you got anything coming out quickly this week? The Athletic. I've been going through Manchester United's worst ever starts in uh, league history and comparing them to this current Manchester United side and seeing what can be done. And uh, I highly recommend you check out the Players' Tribune this week. Uh, we're going to have a really good piece with a Arsenal legend when you get to listen to this on Tuesday. Some great pieces about the Super Classico, Boca Juniors and River Plate. It's the most heated derby in Argentinian football, perhaps the most heated derby in all of world football. To put this in context, away fans have been banned from Argentinian football since 2013. And the ban was partially lifted in August. But if a match involves the top five teams, the five grandes, of which Boca and River Plate are included, uh, away fans cannot travel to those, such as the um, level of crowd trouble as given by the the Argentinian ultras. So on Saturday, they were meant to have the second leg. It was postponed after River Plate fans attacked the Boca Juniors bus. So that was postponed to Sunday. It looked, it was on and off. Was this game going to continue on Sunday? Sunday came and went and there was no game. There are plans to have a second leg. It is disappointing from, from what I'm understanding from a lot of Argentinian football fans. They were very much, this was our chance to show South American, not only Argentinian football, but South American football to the world. So to truly show the power and color and the different vibe of Copa Libertadores. And instead, what we've got is just fan violence. Or as someone said, everyone said how the Super Classico would show South American football to the world. And now they've done it by showing the true underbelly of South American football. It's a crazy story. I, there's there's a, a guy that runs Mundo Albiceleste, Roy Nemer. Um, and he helped us out with uh, the Argentina coverage for the World Cup. And he 
posted a video on Twitter of like a mom who was like a River Plate fan, and she had like a little kid, and she was taping flares around the little girl's body, and then the shirt would cover up the flares, and then like maybe like a twenty four hours later or so, he he put like another tweet in the thread that was like the mom has been arrested and charged with like whatever the charge was, but like. It goes that deep. People are kind of like using their kids as mules almost. To get flares in. I, I, see, I, I've, I've never lit a flare before. So I was like, what if like something hits it and then your, your child just goes up in flames? Like, I don't, is, is it that deep? It, it is It is to some people. That's life. That's Argentinian football, you mm-hmm. know? That's Argentinian football. And that, those are problems to do with Argentinian football that have been there for, some would argue, decades. Depending on who you speak to, the, these are reasons as to why Argentinian football um, pales in comparison to its continental neighbours and also pales far in comparison to, to to Europe and also possibly as root in why Argentina will struggle to win a World Cup. It's not just Messi. I hope the match takes place. I, I'd imagine the best case scenario is to do it behind closed doors at a undisclosed location and timing. Could you Beyonce an entire full match and basically be... We played it yesterday in this stadium. You didn't know about it, but here's, here's it on tape. But, uh... I doubt it, man. I doubt it. What's up, man? Yo. What's good, man? Man, I'm living, man. I'm surviving, man. What's up? Hi- Hello, people, man. What's up, man? What's up? Yeah, man. We were just talking about the, the River Plate Booker thing. So mm. do you have a thought on it before we get um, to the Premier League? Look, for, for me, I think, look, this was always going to pretty much happen, you know, because... You have to understand how intense this rivalry is. And also, it's almost like poor and rich. I think the Bogodinians are sort of like the streets, real Argentinian people. That's like where Maradona is from. But the River Plates are the much more richer kind of things. So there's so many things of rich and and poor close to the cities and, and, and their histories. And my thing about this was that what if they were forced to play that same day? Because remember, this is parallels with Dortmund. I don't know whether you mentioned the whole Dortmund and Monaco thing, where I'm not sure if they had to play that same day or, or they, they played the, the next day. And you could see that it affected them. You know, like they just mentally were not ready for it. So why not just give them a week? Like at 24 hours is at least better. But Infertino was saying, no, if you don't play today, we're going to disqualify you, which is crazy. 48 hours is still good, but still, man, 48 hours... And you've got to deal with what pepper spray, your eyeballs being gouged out, broken windows. I mean, damn. But, but you know, do, do you know what works weird? You know, technically they're winning the game. It's 2-2. And it's go to away goals. So first of all, technically you're winning it. The second leg is in your home ground. Why attack them? And the Boca Juniors fans, they were pretty res- respectful when River Plate were there. So I would actually more likely punish River Plate than Boca Juniors. Because it's like, River Plate, what reasons do you have to do this? You're technically winning the game. The second leg is at home. From watching the first leg, they are the better team. So it's madness, man. It makes no sense. There's there's sometimes no logic to beef. So from one derby to another, this was a London derby. I, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> oh, man, I, I want to talk. Uh, okay, Chelsea got destroyed. It wasn't a lubrication, but it might as well have been. Well, no, um, it's, it felt like a baptism. It felt, it felt like a baptism. Uh, Chelsea lost 3-1 to Tottenham at Wembley. The game wasn't close. No. Um, 90 minutes of a, of a total beatdown. What, what, what I can't it? remember any great chances Chelsea crafted other than, I guess, the Giroud goal, but that wasn't even, like, fantastic play. That was just a cross, and he hit it in. 
Tottenham dominated in all phases, defense, midfield, attack. They were just superior in every department um, on Saturday. I, I know you're going to have your, your targets. You're going to talk about Morata. You're going to talk about Luis. So I'm going to just let you run with it. Tottenham were definitely the, the, the better team. They deserved the win. Son should no longer be called on underrated. And look, let's just start off first, first because you have to attack this in, in a multitude of ways. Tactically, Sarri got beat down. And I wouldn't actually give Sari that much hate because again, this, this is like his, his fourth month or something and nobody had yet exposed him as much as Tottenham did. So again, once you're exposed, that's how you make changes. Even Pep, when he got exposed in his first season, he made changes and he, he made tweaks. As that's just what football is about. But I'm tired of players not being blamed. So all because the managers are not as famous or as popular as, as the players, they don't take blame. We're all fine making Lukaku take all the blame when he deserves it. But because David Luiz is maybe the nicer guy, the cooler guy that other people like, we should we, we oh no, no, no. It was Victor Hash and Luis. You made individual defensive mis mistakes. Okay, maybe the system and everything exposed a bit more. But Rudiger wasn't great, but Rudiger was doing much better the defending than what Luis was doing. You gave away a needless father led to the first goal. You inexplicably moved away from a shot which is one of the worst offenses you can make as a defender and your attempt at a tackle on son has to be one of the most disgraceful attempts at a tackle i've seen in years <laughs> so and this just goes to that by louis you're just not a defender but i think overall um it is what it is because chelsea were never going to win the league it was all about being top top four but my goodness guys Pochettino is a tier one manager you did not buy anyone new and you are still fully competing, and this team is still so, so good. Like, yes, credit to Kane, Son, Soki even did well and everything, but for me, I think Pochettino needs to be given the greatest praise because his coaching of this team is insane. But look, I mean, with Chelsea, there's so many things to, to break down. Is Jorginho really that good? Because we can see him being exposed. Hazard is giving a through ball to flipping cancer. Like, when I saw that, I said, okay, that, okay that's it, it's over. Like, when I saw him give it through ball and Kante was running onto it through ball, I said, you know what, that, that's mm. it, well, done here. So it, it was a 3-1 result that flattered Chelsea. They were second to every ball, second to every punch. Spurs completely uh, outplayed Chelsea. It was in, I'd say, delight to watch. It, it's nice to see a competitive derby and a competitive match between the top six that further opens up chances for everyone in the top six, well, top five plus whoever, um, <laughs> top five plus Man United, I'll say this time. Um, David Luiz had a stinker, and the thing about David Luiz, when he has a bad game, he really has a bad game. You know, as I said before, David Luiz's defensive profiles and statistics are quite similar to Jerome Boateng. It's just that people notice it more with Luiz because when he has the bad matches, he just it's his hair, well, his hairstyle for one and two. He just, he properly looks like a clown, um, which is unfortunate. Jorginho, he was ineffective in part due to how fantastic Deli Ali was in that attacking midfielder man-marking position. So Ali's job was was a little bit subtle, not quite link up with Harry Kane and be a second striker as he can sometimes play, but it was more um, similar to, to our old Wayne Rooney performance, which is basically you man-mark their DM and then the moment you get the ball, you launch attacks, which he did with great aplomb. Musa Suzoko is playing football now, which is quite nice. Um, I know we don't do recommended reads as much, 
on this podcast anymore, but I'd recommend you check out Jonathan Liu's piece about Sissoko and how he seems to be playing well for reasons, which is a testament to Pochettino's coaching, where Mourinho constantly says his players are immature and lack character and bemoans his lack of options. Pochettino goes, yeah, you know, I didn't sign any players and the pit stadium isn't going well, but like Musa Suzoko is a very valuable member of our squad. And now look at Musa Suzoko. He is a very good vertical shuttling option in that Tottenham Hotspur midfield. Harry Kane continues to defy all sense. And every time I think, uh, every time I want to write off this Spurs product and say, yeah, this is it, this is the end. They go off and get a massive result. And now they've got the North London derby on the weekend. So all power to them. Hmm. Someone asked a question, uh, the only tabs. He said, have Spurs given teams the blueprint on how to stifle Chelsea? If you remember a couple of weeks ago, you asked me about the Chelsea-Everton game. Mm-hmm. And I said I was worried that Everton might have given the blueprint in terms of you stop Jorginho, you stop Chelsea. And then we have an international break. And Pochettino has a week, a week and a half to just study Chelsea, probably watching that Everton game five, six times, however many times they do, his staff. And they came up with a better – they have better personnel than Everton. And then, obviously, like you guys bring up David Luiz. I mean (sighs) – Let's be real. No, no, Danny, please be honest. Just please be honest. I will. He had, like, a a one out of ten game, a zero out of ten game. Like, if I was the person in the newspaper that was given, like, the out of tens, I'd give him, like, a one. Like, it would have been brutal in that sense. I feel reluctant to say a team gives you the blueprint as to how to beat a side. Because a blueprint says if you do this, you will win. I think – you know, they have shown a way. Uh, and as you correctly identified, Everton in the nil-nil draw against Chelsea basically went, yeah, you stop Jorginho, you can stop this sorry ball method of, of football. And uh, Sari himself has talked about how Chelsea are miles off the pace of Liverpool and Manchester City and that they're going to get, one day they're going to lose. And he was very, very, made some very refreshing comments in the post-match pressure, like basically like this has been coming. We've not been very good at regaining possession once we lost it. And credit to Spurs, which is quite nice. Uh, Spurs' tactic was stop Jorginho, win the ball back quickly, and then basically try and exploit the space that uh, Marcos Alonso leaves when he's bombing forward in left-back position, which is also quite similar to how Arsenal approached Chelsea at the start of the season. He's useful, but he's not great defensively. Like, a lot of these situations happen after set pieces. So Alonso, for whatever reason, he'll just be on the right and he vacates the space on the left. And because Jorginho's slow and it's his responsibility in air quotes to like kind of fill that gap, you have a player like Son, a player like even Juan Mata, I suppose in some cases, fast players that are technically sound. Like trying to run past and beat Jorginho isn't that difficult if you're talented on the level of someone like Son. So it just causes trouble. Then you have your center back try one of the most outrageous tackles. I mean, I kind of understood what he was doing. He was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get this outside of the box. That's the only kind of bail I can shoot him. I mean, there is only so much you can do with Morata and Giro as your strikers, man. That's a real pro- problem. Because in that game, Chelsea were suffering. I think you, you just knew that the, the Chelsea players, because you know when you're in a game where tactically, this is not happening today. So that everything you do is difficult. So... In those situations, you need an outlet. That's why Giroud was probably a better outlet in a game like, like that, because in that kind of game, you just need to get the ball up and attack to try and make something happen. But with Morata, that's just not going to happen. So again, I just do not understand the Sarri's um, obsession that I must get Morata. Like, I think with Morata, I've just accepted that he's talented. He's still talented. He's not a, a top-choice striker. 
he cannot be a first choice striker for your, for your team. And he's never been a first choice striker for any team. He's always been a secondary striker or a guy off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember tweeting out, like, you can't stage a comeback with Morata. Especially against really good teams where you're not going to create that many chances. I guess you can do it against Southampton or teams like that where, like, you're, you're going to create chances and he can miss a few here or there, but then he'll end up scoring one. If in the game you create three chances, maybe, two, really, do you trust Alvaro Morata to put that chance away? I think that speaks to, to two things. One, why are you Chelsea Football Club with Ellen Hazard and very, very good centre midfield options and only making two to three chances a game? Um, yes, everyone keeps going to stop Chelsea, you stop Jorginho. But at the same time, there there is more than one method to Chelsea, or there should be. If you've got the best player in the world at regaining possession in N'Golo Kante and Jorginho isn't working out, why do you not move Kante to the defensive midfielder position? Stubbornness. So yes. I, you know, and also, Jorginho is um, Sari's boy. So Yes. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a combination of both of your answers. Yeah. Sari is a notoriously stubborn figure and he wants his football to be played in this style, which means Jorginho is to a degree... Um, Immovable. Immovable. I think in the big games, a Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic triple in midfield is not part of the course. I think Ross Barkley created far more creatively than Kovacic did in his brief cameo. And I think Morata, one thing that sticks about Morata is he's constantly offside. <laughs> he is. He's, he's, currently, he's currently set the record for the most offside. You know, he's been caught the most amount of offsides in the Premier League this so far this season. I think Alexis Sanchez is, is somewhere in the top three as well. So not it, it's one of those small things, but not only are chances being manufactured not at a preferable rate by Chelsea's midfield, but when they are, Morata cannot do the basic thing of staying onside. So this can develop further. When you have your best player, most important, best slash most important slash whatever player in Eden Hazard saying, I play my best game with Olivier Giroud. You have to play Olivier Giroud. It's a very interesting thing you've got going right now because N'Golo Kante recently just signed a new contact renewal this weekend, putting on £290,000 a week, making Chelsea's highest paid player for now. It's believed that if Hazard does sign a new contract, it will push him a bit further for 300000 a week. So Kante is your highest paid player. He's being played out of position. And it, it speaks to this, this great disconnect between what Chelsea, the football club, wants and what Sarri wants to do with the football club. So you get the impression that Sarri wants to make Morata happen, despite ev all evidence to the contrary. Right. Much like Chelsea want N'Golo Kante to be the presentable face of New Look Chelsea. But it's not going to quite work because Jorginho is playing that number six position. I think a, a large part of it is more Sarri's stubbornness. You're losing a game 3-0, and you don't put on two strikers. You try Willian, Pedro, and and Hazard for like 15 minutes, and then you take off a strike. And the, no, then you take off Willian, and then you put on Giroud. He's so wedded to 4-3-3. Ideally, if you wanted to play Kante and Jorginho, you would play them in a double pivot, and then you would play a number 10, whether that be Fabregas or whomever, but... He, he wants to play Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho. Kovacic isn't really a number 10. So then it would kind of go to your point where like Ross Barkley is a bit more dangerous. But then it, it, it could be going, if we take that point a little bit deeper, into like club politics. Do you play Ross Barkley when you have Kovacic on loan from Real Madrid? Do you, do you start Olivier Giroud when you paid $60 million or 60, 60 million pounds rather for Alvaro Morata? I think they're more than just 
tactics afoot here. I think it's you add the politics and you add the stubbornness and you end up getting beat by Tottenham. Boom. Have hope you want to talk about Spurs quickly? Because a lot of the times we always talk about the losers in these games. <laughs> so give the winners their flowers while they can smell them. Son was the star of that show. Again, I, I don't know what credit I can give to Hurricane or even Dele Alli. I think it was much more of a team effort. Hurricane's goal didn't make any sense. Like he literally just shot the ball. Luis decided that he wanted to go back to Brazil and <laughs> just in, in, in one place. So, like, I can't give Kane any credits for, for that for that goal. I can't believe he jumped out of the way. It's insane. <laughs> like, like, listen, when the, the goal went in, I was like, wait a minute, that that makes no sense. Kepa didn't dive, so I was like, it must have hit Luis yeah. and deflected in. And then they show the replay, and it's like he jumped out of the way. But, 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 but wait, wait, let us get back to Tottenham. I think, no, look, man. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, you have to give credit to what the hell Pochettino is doing with, the, with this team, man. Because, again, to not buy anybody in the summer and to still be this competitive, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. And I think that in Son, man, they have, like, like that was a, an amazing goal by Son. So when you have a player who can do that, and the beat about this is that you've got players with very different characteristics in Son, Lamella, Lucas, Kane, you have very different characteristics in players, which means that it's very good for a, for a manager because you can now come in and just bring in different kinds of ideas they, depending on the game and the opponent that, that, that they are playing. But the question for Tottenham is they will always define defined by a trophy. Tottenham fans have to get sick of like, man, we're so good. Man, we're overachieving. We're keeping overachieving. Got to win a trophy. You have to win a, a, a trophy. And it's going to be difficult. Arsenal in the League Cup can't win the Champions League, can't win the, 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 the Premier League. And even if they beat Arsenal in the League Cup or whether the FA Cup, there's that behemoth called Man City, which I'm not sure any team can really beat at the rate that they are they're going. And I think for, for Pochettino, you see, I don't know how long this will last because Pochettino must realize that you can't leave it till too late, which is the move you're going to make. Because Pochettino knows that, okay, there's only... I've, I've taken this team beyond their ceiling because I've got a dude called Levy who's not really going to give me enough money to really buy that truly superstar world-class player to take us over the hump. So I'm literally doing the best. I'm, I'm, I'm overachieving. And you can't keep staying in a spot where you're overachieving because you're not really pushing yourself. That is why Pochettino has to keep an eye on Real Madrid. He's going to keep an eye out on Bayern as, as well and be like, you know what? Once the timing comes, because my stock is so high, my name is still hot, I've got to try and make that move at the right time. Because once you miss the boat, you've missed the boat. And that's it. And especially for Pochettino, where he, he comes from, being Argentine, coaching Real Madrid is something you want on your CV. If you're Latin American, coach, being an manager of Real Madrid is something you want in your CV. We will get to Real Madrid and Bayern Munich later in the program. Do we? Um, Ibar? Okay. <laughs> I, I thought they couldn't afford water, Ibar, at one point. We will get there. Now, let's, let's start from the top of the table. We've talked about the big match. We can talk about Manchester City. They beat West Ham 4-0. Um, you know, I triple captained Aguero. On fantasy Premier League, I was like, you know, he's he's gonna score at least once, oh, and they they scored four started. goals, and he didn't get one. <sighs> but anyway, yeah, as as Carl said, Raheem Sterling played well, Sané played well, David Silva played well again. I think he scored in three or four consecutive Premier League games. I, I don't want to ask the same question every week, which is, can they be caught? Will they be caught? Are they going to win the Premier League? Da da da. But nobody's going to catch them. 
I've said this previously, if a Premier League side is going to beat this Manchester City side for the 2018-2019 Premier League season. They need to they kidnap are, Pep Guardiola. No, they're going to be historically good. They're going to be one whatever. If a team beats this City side to win the league, they're going to go down as one of the greatest Premier League sides of all time. That's what it takes to, take, to beat this City side. This City side are the best in shots, goals, possession, pass completion, defensive record. I've said this before, Liverpool could very, very conceivably end this season with 90 points and finish second. This is Tottenham Hotspur's best ever start in the Premier League season. And they're not even close to Man City right now. <laughs> right. This, you know, Manchester City are historically good and will historically be good for a while. And the only thing that looks like stopping them is an injury to Fernandinho. Okay, so like, how how are we meant to discuss them if they keep winning three zero, four zero, five zero? Do we just not discuss it until they lose? Like, what is how how should people be discussing this Manchester City side week to week? I would imagine it's similar to how French football fans discuss Paris Saint Germain or how back in the day we used to discuss Pep Guardiola's Bayern Munich. When you, you just have... you, you you just love their football, you just talk about the beauty would... of the. Go ahead. No, I I I I hope we go further than the game-to-game -game discussion and look at it as a wider whole. Like, what are they doing over these four games? What are they What are they trying to get Riyad Mahrez to do here? What, what's What's happening with Phil Foden? Foden played a sizable chunk of that Manchester City, of that uh, West Ham victory. Is Phil Foden going to become the successor to David Silva? Or is it going to be Bernardo Silva? I'd, I'd like the conversation to go less from who's going to beat City to what are City doing and how and why are they this good? Something mm -hmm. I found particularly interesting in discussion about City last season was from Pochettino. I think it was Pochettino who said, the problem with Manchester City isn't that they're good at one thing. It's that they change the way they play mid-game against you. And, you know, we've said about this before, that they've got three amazing ways of beating you up. They can beat you up via Mendy's low crosses. They can beat you up via their dribbling skill. They can beat you up via Aguero. They can beat you up via Kevin De Bruyne's through balls. Um, and that, that's that, that's the thing. They they can play you in a way and go, oh, wait, this isn't working. Let's change this on the fly. Like you would when you play a game of FIFA and just absolutely ruin you. I said before about this this low cross they, they do all the time. This triple tap cross, really low. That's basically a tap in, right? And Raheem Sterling scored one of those against West Ham. And it looks so easy to defend against. And it looks so easy to do. But it's so hard. It's so hard to get the correct amount of pace on that ball so it beats the centre-backs who are trying to block it. It's so hard for what Sterling did for his goal, which is, if you look at what's happening, when Sane is playing the ball across through the penalty area, Sterling is behind the centre-backs. He just ghosts in at the last second. Raheem Sterling, he's putting up ridiculous numbers right now. Prolific footballers in the Premier League right now. And he's doing it because he's being impeccably coached by his manager. His manager, if I've watched a little bit more of that All or Nothing documentary series um, that about Manchester City, and Pep Gala says in there that a good cross, a good low cross delivered across goal is worth half a goal. And Sterling is phenomenal at getting on the end of those. And also with those in himself. His partnership with Leroy Sane is frightening. I know we don't really have winger partnerships in the same way we discuss strike partnerships, but they're probably going to be up there as some of the best we've seen, at least some of the best we've seen since the United days of old. Sorry, this Sterling stat. Raheem Sterling has 25 goals and 17 assists in 44 league games since the start of last season. Wow. 
25 goals and 17 assists in 44 league games. So that's 42 goal contributions in 44 games. He's one of the best players in Europe right now. I think that math is correct. <laughs> he's, he's one of the best players in Europe right now, and and it's undeniable. And he's not. He, and you can say, oh yeah, but you know he's he's only got there because because of, of Pep Guardiola. Yeah, but look at the players that Manchester City have bought and have been coached that didn't work out. Look at Jovetic, didn't work out. Look at Nolito, didn't work out. So many players came and went through this city system and it's come through Sterling, listening to what Pep Guardiola has done that's gotten to this stage. West Ham in a bit of a difficult spot because of Yarmolenko being injured. So Anatovic is very much on his own. Um, apparently there are rumours that Anatovic is, is linked to Manchester United for a £50 million deal, which is quite hilarious. Wow. Um, the Nasri deal, the rumoured Nasri deal is off because Nasri apparently is in very bad physical condition, which should be unsurprising considering he hasn't been playing football for 18 months. He can't just visit drip doctors? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was weird, man. It's one of the greatest days on Twitter. Let's talk Liverpool. Liverpool were drawing... I was monitoring Liverpool Twitter and they were all worried for like an hour. And then Salah scores. Then I think Alexander Arnold hits like a great free kick. And I think Firmino scored at the end. So Liverpool went 3 0. As you say, they can end up getting 90 points or somewhere close and still getting second, which is ridiculous. It's, it's weird how Klopp is unlucky in that way, huh? He has these really good teams, but then he just goes up against like behemoths. So that's unfortunate. But Hapo, did, did, did you watch the, the Liverpool match by chance or did you see highlights? I mean, I mean, I watched up until Salah's goal. Um, and are you going to correct 15 goals max? Okay. Keep up to Thomas uh, 16 max. Hashtag 16 max. 16? So you've upped it by one. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> you know I me, mean, bro. You know me, bro. Look, it's um, shameless. It's shameless. No, no, um, no, you know, it's Liverpool, man. Credits. They are, they are fighting and losing battle. This yeah. is a fight in vain, but they're still fighting. It's almost as if, you know... You see that soldier who's fighting, basically like like David and Goliath. Basically, you're fighting like this small soldier. He's got no armor. He's got like a, a, a like a wooden sword. He's fighting against a guy that has armor, two massive swords, a freaking lightsaber, and a, and a samurai sword, and a rocket launcher as well. But he's still fighting the the dude. So you know he's gonna lose. You know he's gonna get beat beat down. You have such or a you weird imagination. <laughs> what is it? The, the way you articulate things is so. A wooden, a wooden sword. Yeah, no, no, that's what it's like. Like Liverpool are a, 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 is like a skinny dude with a wooden sword up against a man who have armor, a lightsaber, two samurai swords, and a rocket launcher. They're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. But you still admire the dude with the wooden sword still trying to face up against a guy with a flicking rocket launcher. So City are winning the Premier League, but my gosh, Liverpool are saying, you know what? We're gonna at least make it difficult for you, Liverpool. They they can't win it off Man City. They, they can't do it. Crunch fan, I'm not sure that Liverpool can win when the pressure mounts. I, I kind of compare Liverpool like over these past couple of seasons, I guess, to you know those sprinters who were running behind Usain Bolt. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were getting like these personal bests, country bests. You you've run the fastest hundred meters that you've ever run in your life mm. that anyone in your country has ever run, but you still end up second. It kind of feels like that. Like you, you can't beat them, but you're going to do well in in the same way. Gift and a curse in that sense. Uh something that was particularly interesting about this game was they weren't they weren't particularly good. They, they again they played with Salah as the number nine in a four, two, three, one-ish formation and Firmino behind him. Um it took a while to click. Great free kick goal from Trent Alexander Arnold. Who I did have in my fantasy team. As did I. It was one of those games that <laughs> it was it was really one of those games where 
you could imagine it being the end of the game, match it and so on going, yeah, they didn't play well, but they won, which is a good sign of champions. But it's one of those, they didn't play well, but they won, which is a good sign of nothing, really, because City have made this very hard to talk about. Um, I, I really enjoyed this Liverpool side. I really enjoy what Pep Guardiola, um, I said Pep Guardiola, I really enjoy what Jurgen Klopp is doing. I really enjoy how he's looking to diversify the way Liverpool play. I'm looking, I'm really enjoying how, seeing the shift in their style of football since the departure of Klopp's number two in Buvak mm. and, how, and how he's basically gone, oh, I'm just going to try and shore up this defence a lot more. This is a delight to watch Virgil van Dijk, who it's fast becoming, in rapidly going up in my estimation as the best centre-back in the world right now. Whoa, in the world! I said rapidly going <laughs> up in my estimation. I didn't say he is. I said going up in my estimation. Come on, come on. All right, a quick, quick question. Whose football do you enjoy watching more, like aesthetically? Man City or Liverpool? Liverpool, because I like the slightly more chaotic yeah. counter-attacking football. Um, yeah. I, I, this, this, if you want to compare this City side to the other Pep Guardiola footballs, this City side is the most I've ever enjoyed Pep Guardiola play football. Maybe that's English Premier League bias. I know I know it's not tiki-taka. What he was doing at Barcelona was not tiki-taka, but I did not particularly care for his style of football at Barcelona. I didn't particularly care for what he was doing at Bayern Munich because I preferred the Jupp Heynckes version of what Bayern Munich were at that time. But this this City one is, is one I particularly enjoyed. Also because like my intelligence and reading of the game has increased since the Barcelona days. I now understand what he's doing more. So therefore I'm able to get more out of watching Man City. I've always enjoyed what Klopp does. Like um, ever since his Dortmund days, I just I've enjoyed his approach. Because again, like I think sort of similar to what Carl was saying, just the um randomness and energy, you know, and edginess of it is just a lot better than the very preciseness of Pep. And I always put it like this: If I was a player, who would I enjoy to play under more? Pep or Klopp? Definitely Klopp. Obviously, I'm not. I don't really like running a lot, so obviously that would be annoying on under Klopp. Um, but I would enjoy playing under Klopp a lot more than Pep. I think with Pep, he would just really an- annoy me. I don't know what he's saying is right for. He just really annoys me by his micromanaging. So this is a really interesting thing, and also apparently this is how Liverpool is being sold to certain players across the world with basically if you are the best player in the world and you want to be part of this amazing amazing thing you should probably go sign for Man City you should probably go play for Pep but if you're a very good player and you want to have fun come play for Liverpool Mm. Um, and I imagine that's how he that's how Liverpool managed to sign some of the players they did I imagine that I imagine that played a massive part in how Liverpool signed Naby Keita just if you want to play football and have some fun, and also your best mate Sadio Mane is over here as well, come play for Liverpool. Um, this and this is the one of the great joys about the Premier League at this moment that they have the Premier League more so than any other league has three, four, maybe five phenomenal football managers playing very interesting, tactically erudite systems that are a joy to watch. And then there's Jose Mourinho. I was going to ask, like, is Mourinho in the five? But then I knew, like, low-key he wasn't. So I wasn't going to ask what he said. So I'm assuming you watched the Manchester United game, Carl. I'm going to give you, like, a minute or two to just talk about your team. Manchester United are not a serious football team. And I do not want to treat them as a serious football team until they can show me that they are a serious football team. That was their 10th goalless draw Manchester United have been involved in since Mourinho has taken charge. The Crystal Palace game marked the 33rd change to the starting 11, which is the second highest amount in the league, one after Fulham and 34. 
which indicates that once again, Marina just doesn't know what his best side is because he just can't figure it out. Something that particularly annoyed me um, was Mourinho applauding Victor Lindelof for playing on through a groin injury, which again spoke to that really annoying macho nonsense thing he likes when players are taking injections for him. Victor Lindelof played part of the second half with a groin injury, and there's a there's a bit where he outpaces um, Van Aert, shrugs him off the ball, and plays the ball out of defence, and he's very clearly visibly clutching his groin afterwards. Everyone's going, "Oh wow, amazing, fantastic!" I'm watching going. Mate, you've just added a week to your recovery. It's not worth it in a nil-nil draw against Crystal Palace. US Stats website, 538 gives Manchester United a 15% chance of finishing in the top four. That's 15-1-5. If I were a betting man, I wouldn't bet on it. Did we watch Arsenal? Kind of moving from the depression that is United. (laughs) Yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal, once again, nearly got found out. This, This is the thing about Arsenal. They're not, right now, they are not necessarily any better than... Well, that's a lie. They, they they have been a lot better than the really bad times they were last season under Arsene Wenger. But they're once again relying on that punches chance offered up by Oba. And something that's quite nice is Awobi seems to be kicking on a bit. But they, they were really poor for most of that Bournemouth game. Um, if you want a really interesting stat, Arsenal haven't been ahead at half-time at all this season. Hmm. Arsenal have scored 21 goals in the second half more so than any other club and they've only conceded six in the second half so they're they're very slow to start but when they get when they warm up in part thanks to the fact they've got Lacazette and Oba and maybe Meza Ozil or Iwobi or Mkhitaryan Mkhitaryan was dreadful against Bournemouth but when they do get going they they do tend to generate enough chances to to beat all the teams below them in the league table at the very least it'll be very interesting to see how this North London derby on the weekend pans out I'm somewhat leaning towards Spurs winning this one. Quick word on Awobi here, Pope. Did you see his through ball to Kalasinac? Mark Lukman, he's, he's becoming it because he does it for Nigeria as well. Through ball experts. And I think he <laughs> he is flourishing under Emery. You know, I just think his Emery's coaching is benefiting a lot more than Wenger's coaching was. And it's just amazing. Because look, he's easily Nigeria's best player. And he's improving. He's not there yet, but he's improving. And I just think that's what I like about him is he tries very difficult passes. And more times than not, he almost pretty much executes them. And I just think that Emery sees the quality in him. So I just think that he has to be a regular starter now. Because as you guys were saying, Mkhitaryan is trash now. So And Ramsey is leaving. So, you know. So do you have any hope for Arsenal against Tottenham? You know what? Tottenham are the favourites, but that's the kind of game that Arsenal would win. You know Aubameyang is top scorer. Is that Aguero? No, 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 no. Him and no, him and Aguero are both tied top scorers. Okay. So they have how many? Because I know Hazard has seven, so they must be on eight. You know, eight, so, yeah. someone asked, who do you, who do we think is going to win the Golden Boot? I mean, I I said Aubameyang at the start of the season, so and I'm and I'm sticking with that. I think it's going to be Aguero. At the moment, Aguero and and Oba are tied for eight goals. Raheem Sterling has seven with Eden Hazard and Mo Salah and Harry Kane. And Mitrovic and Glenn Murray. There you are. <laughs> Glenn Murray with seven goals. Got one on the weekend um, in a victory over. It wasn't a victory. It was a draw with Leicester City. Before we get to Real Madrid, just, just kind of before we get to Europe, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to give you like two minutes. I'm going to give you the bottom half of the table. And whatever is interesting, you tell us. Bournemouth, just playing really good. Best of the rest of football right now. It's one of those annoying things that every time I think of a player at a top six club that should go on loan somewhere, the only place I want to put them is Bournemouth 
but now Bournemouth are too good for me to just keep putting lone players. Um, it's, it's a testament. There's a great piece by Daniel Story on uh, BBC right now about how Eddie Howe was in charge of Bournemouth when they were in League One, and now look at them, the best of the conceivably the best of the rest. Eighth place, thanks to that great point Man United got over Palace, but yeah, they'll be there over there about to come the season end. Um, Wolverhampton Wanderers lost two 0 to Huddersfield. Um, a brace for Aaron Moy. Wolves are sliding down the table. A bit worrying. So all that talk about them finishing top seven seems a bit premature. They're going to need to start scoring goals again. I have a quick question. Is Moy Moy just a Nigerian food or is it West African? Well, I don't know. I know that. I don't know whether any other country in West Africa has it. So okay. I can't fully verify that. I don't want to insult my West African brothers. No, I, was just, I was just curious. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Hang on. Um, as discussed, Glenn Murray scored in a 1-1 draw between Brighton and Leicester City. Uh, Leicester City had James Madison sent off for a dive. Players being sent off for dives. It happens now. Uh, Everton beat Cardiff City 1-0 thanks to a Gilfie Sigurdsson goal. Very interesting about Everton. After all the talk about Marco Silva being not good at organising a defence, they seem to have got a decent run of clean sheets here. Again, best of the rest or whatnot, but, you know... Everton are having fun. It, it's good to it's good to see Everton fans happy. Uh, Fulham beat Southampton three two in Claudio Ranieri's first game in charge of Fulham. I'm sick of Southampton. Are, so, are Southampton your new Watford? Uh, worse, I hate them. I just, I think I think Watford. I was just they're a nothing club. Whereas this Southampton <laughs> thing, this Southampton <laughs> thing is just very much. I really can't stand Mark Hughes, which says a lot because. Mark I hope Anthony Joshua finds you in these streets, these cold London streets. Well, or he 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 probably doesn't even support Watford. It says a lot that Mark Hughes, a man, a player who did so many fantastic things for Manchester United, in, infuriates me so much as a manager. Mark Hughes has now taken thirty-one points from his last thirty-nine games. That's abysmal. Yeah, it's not good, is it? <laughs> That's it. That's the rundown. That is the rundown of this weekend's fixtures. And Newcastle are currently winning, as I said. So there yeah. you go. Um, all right. Let's go to the continent of Europe. Do, do, why is Europe a continent if it's connected with Asia? Do anyway, you know what a continent is? A continent, it should just be a whole piece of land, right? So like Africa, Africa is low-key connected to Asia, but not in the same way, right? That's not what a continent is. I thought a continent was just a gigantic piece of land on a tectonic plate or something. No. Anyway. <laughs> uh... I'm just, it, it doesn't, like, if nobody told you that was Europe, it would just be West Asia. Anyway, let's go to Europe. Uh, Real Madrid, 3-0 loss to Ibar. Just as <laughs> soon as everybody was like, you know what? Maybe the Solari guy, he's corrected the ship. Uh, Loptigi was the problem, da-da-da. They go and lose to Ibar. 11 spots, shout out, what's up? How, how did you feel as every goal went in? I was just, I was just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> because I was just like, this is, um, this is really bad. But... We can't keep jumping to the natural narrative that, oh my gosh, if Cristiano was here, they would do so well. 100% they miss Cristiano because they're creating chances and they don't have anybody with the finishing ability that he, he does. But it's a combination of Cristiano, a combination of Zidane, and a combination of this team is old. This, the key players are over 30. They got old in, th- in like two, three months? No, but what, no, what I'm saying no, no. is that there comes a time when your cycle ends. And I think Zidane maybe knew that. Zidane was like, all right, this is the best I can do with it. I remember, these guys have not been that great in La Liga. What's it called? Two La Liga wins in, in nine, nine years. So they've never really been that great. Just that they did something 
astronomical in the Champions League. But I think even Zidane was like, look, bro, this is the best I can do with this team. I think this team is not built for a league campaign. And the culture that Paris has cultivated, look, the facts speak for themselves. Two league wins in nine years, you've not built a team that is built to win a league title multiple times, consecutively. And this team, without Cristiano and Zidane's man management, can't do anything in Europe. So this is just, I think this really is exposing Perez's very narrow-minded, galactical-driven viewpoint, you know, which is eh, a philosophy that works for the for, for Europe, but as we've seen, does not work for the league. I can't believe Have Hope took the comments I said about Barcelona the other week and has used them to describe Real Madrid. <laughs> he is correct. He is correct. Real Madrid, Real Madrid are old and very much uh, over the summer when Zinedine Zidane said, well, what reinforcements am I going to be getting to replenish this squad? And then he was told, you're going to get Thibaut Courtois. And that's probably about it. Went, all right, go up, goodbye. Because Zidane is, I think we're beginning to underestimate how clever Zinedine Zidane is. That man, Shrewd operator. Considering how he played, it shouldn't be a surprise how he has an impeccable sense of timing. Real Madrid are old. Real Madrid need goals. Real Madrid's current personnel can't do that. They're new, not quite interim, but now long-term manager, long-term with air quotes, um, is playing a sim similar style of football to Zinedine Zidane. So not quite uh, a pressing system, but with a medium block. But it, it doesn't really work. Casemiro got injured on international duty in the most recent break, so they've lost their best ball winner. It's not, it's not really uh, going to click. But, uh, you know, the, the big the big Real Madrid news, well, the big Real Madrid news apparently should be the fact that Ooh. Sergio Ramos... Oh, we got um, news? Yo, yo, okay. Are these, like, massive allegedly? No. Uh, Football Leaks said that Sergio Ramos failed the drug test on the morning of the Champions League final. He tested positive for a anti-inflammatory substance, which leads me to believe he was basically taking a pain-killing injection so he could play it through a final. It's the latest in a batch of things from Football Leaks, which are pretty much the WikiLeaks of footballing news. Um, the, the best way I can describe this is the way I've described this previously on the podcast, which is if doping exists in football, which it most likely does, it happens on a team-based level. And if it does, it most likely has to do with player recovery rather than making you run faster. Right. And also, I don't think, I really don't think you want to know how many football players are taking stuff. Because as someone once told me for a magazine called Sport, um, if you took any random person in off the street right now and may, subjected them to a FIFA mandate drugs test, they'd probably fail it. There's so many things in prescription and supermarket tablets that would make you fail a drugs test. You'd be surprised how easy it would, is to fail one. However, that does not excuse a player as experienced as Sergio Ramos failing a drugs test. Is, is no, it the real story here that UEFA tried to cover yeah. it up? Yeah, of course, because football is football. Well, who, who, is, who is president of UEFA? The Chepherin. Ukrainian dude, right? Alexander Cheferin. Okay. Names. I just, I need names. All right. Uh, Dembele rescued Barcelona despite his video game addiction. Um, how are we feeling about that, Double H? Um, question. Who needs who more? Do Barcelona need Dembele or does Dembele need Barcelona? Barcelona keep leaking information about Dembele, which is something I find really interesting. It's odd, isn't it? Yeah, I, I've, ne I've never seen a big club 
leak so much information about a player being tardy. So they keep talking about how Dembele likes um, computer games and fast food. They keep, I think a PK mentioned about how in the group WhatsApp chat, they basically have an alert in it just to remind Dembele that he needs to get to train. So uh, so the, the most recent one, and the reason why Dembele was dropped for the betters game was because he didn't turn up for the training on the Wednesday. He was nowhere to be found. There was no messages. And when they did ring him up, he said he had a stomach ache. Stomach ache. When they get, got round to his house, there was no evidence of him having a stomach ache and basically seemed like he was up all night playing computer games and overslept. Barcelona have apparently tried to alleviate these problems by giving Dembele his own driver and a chef. But apparently Dembele sacked one or the other on perhaps both because he cited unreconcilable differences but but again like i should not know all of this information yeah you know i work in a football adjacent industry but i should not know the ins and outs of a football player playing for barcelona football team in london like that is that is an unusual amount of information that has been released by barcelona and via their leaks so apparently there was a clear the air meeting a couple of weeks ago between Dembele and Barcelona where Dembele said he's going to get his life together and basically Dembele's representatives went, could you stop leaking stuff about me? Because the problem you're doing is if you want to sell me, you are dropping my transfer fee down by loads. Or is, is that the intention to just draw more buyers? It, it, it makes want? no sense. If you have an asset that you bought for over 100 million euros, why would you release all this bad information? Maybe your intention is to release the information so you can like shame him or scare him straight and you keep him. But the more bad information you release, the worse his reputation is going to be and the lower his transfer fee is going to go down. So why are you costing yourself money? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, um, it, it's but the thing is he scored, he scored, he scored the equalizing goal and late a late equaliser against Atletico Madrid on the weekend, which is more or less, he's, he's got a habit of doing this. No player he's rescued in, them seven points, I believe, this yes, season already. No player in La Liga has won more points for their side than Dembele. And I think Rafinha just tore his ACL or yep. sprained his MCL or something like that. So he's going to be playing more, for sure. But something I find particularly interesting is basically, is it not him versus Malcolm? For this role, Malcolm should have gone to Roma. Like he just went yeah, there because it was Barcelona. But, but. Mar- yeah, Barcelona, and well, apparently Malcolm seems to be getting on quite well with Messi, which, oh, as we have discussed before, can sometimes be more beneficial than anything at Barcelona. Dembele is a blue chip player. It feels weird to say this. He's the player I wish Anthony Martial was. Yeah, I think those two are in a really interesting point in their life. And at, at some point, I want to know: is, is it bad attitude? Is it or is it just the fact they're both black and French? Because is it just because they're both young black men who are French, so therefore don't smile too often? But, but, but see, my thing is this thing <laughs> that I feel that Dembele is so talented, Barcelona should do everything in their power to try and keep him. Hence why I started with the whole thing of who needs who, who more. I think Barcelona, in the state that, that they're in, in a post-Javi Iniesta world, they need. Dembele more than Dembele needs them. Dembele can work into almost any team. Any team. Easily. When you're the best two-footed player in the world, you can walk into any team. So, Barcelona should really try and... I don't, and I, I don't think that they are. I think for them, they're like, oh, you're misbehaving. You, you're not appreciating what it means to play for Barcelona. Screw you. We, we can survive without you. Can you really? Can you? So. <laughs> it's Barcelona. I mean, they can find a way, but it's not going to be as... For as... Barcelona to survive. Oh, and this is the thing. It... it, it once again, speaks to what the Barcelona want, right? Because you look at La Liga table right now, Sevilla top. 
at any point in time, Sevilla could have gone top, Barcelona could have gone top. But as we've spoken before, Barcelona don't particularly care about La Liga now. Considering how Real Madrid are boom and bust, Barcelona win La Liga more or less by default. Barcelona won the Champions League. And to win the Champions League, Barcelona need one to someone to like paper over the cracks in their aging defence. Two, help in that midfield, which Artur seems to be fixing. Because Artur now, not only is Artur really good in that Xavier's role, but he also frees up Coutinho to play further forward on the left. Yeah. And, and you need someone to do what Messi tells him to do. Is that going to be Dembele or is that going to be Malcolm or is that going to be whatever? And ultimately, that is going to be decided by Lionel Messi. By the way, uh, Diego Costa scored, I think, for the first time in like 16 or 17. Somewhere in the high teens, he finally scored a goal. So shout out to Diego Costa one time. Um, let's go to Germany quickly. Dortmund won and mm. Bayern Munich drew 3-3 against a club called Dusseldorf. Yep. 8,000 fans made the journey. 8,000 Dusseldorf fans made the, journey to, made the journey to Munich to watch this game. And they got unprecedented football. I, Dodi Lukabayo. Lukabayo. <laughs> Look, I was like, how do you pronounce this name? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry. I should, I should be better than this. He's the first person to score a hat-trick past Manuel Neuer in the Bundesliga. Um, and he's the wow. first person to do put a hat-trick past Manuel Neuer since Cristiano Ronaldo did in that quarter-final with Real Madrid. That is big. Is now open up a nine-point gap at the top of the Bundesliga. Well, a nine-point gap between Bayern Munich and Dortmund. Dortmund yeah. are top with 30 points. In second place is Mönchengladbach, Borussia. <laughs> uh, Frankfurt are third and Red Bull Leipzig are fourth interesting thing about Red Bull they this later day announced that they will be taking Hoffenheim's manager yeah Nagelsmann Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann has now Nagelsmann. been yeah, yeah, yeah. as the incoming Red Bull oh no, 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 no this was confirmed ages ago like at the beginning of in the, in the summer that's what makes it so weird which basically now what is the plan for Bayern Munich it doesn't look as if the uh, Nico experiment is going to work. So who do you go get now? Wenger. He's been he's he's been rumored. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. What going on? That's rude, man. Danny. Why 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 would you laugh? Why would you laugh? <laughs> get him his coins. No, I'm I'm laughing because like how many times did like Bayern Munich just destroy Arsenal five one? Like at least four times, and then he goes to Bayern Munich and just laughing at kind of the cyclical nature of that. If it ever happened, like a team that you that terrorized you, you now go manage them. That's why I left. Like the last time they played, the aggregate was 10 2. Yep. And then he goes to Bayern Munich. All right, if you could make it happen. All right, so we're running out of time here, and I want to get at least a few questions. So let's go to Italy quickly. Um, Juventus won again. Napoli drew. Somebody wanted, wanted us to talk about Milan Lazio. It was a 1 1 draw. There you go. We talked about it. AC Milan are not, are not very good. And <laughs> we're just talking about this team just to disrespect this one guy. <laughs> no, 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 because like this is and this is coming from a guy who Dothas was one of the first things I really was in love with based off George George Ware. To go from George Ware, Shevchenko, Kaka, Pierlo, Nesta to Suso and Cutrone, that is a monumental fall. And I think that the reason why I try to explain to Milan fans that. Because they feel like, oh, no, no, we're still pretty good. No, why do I disrespect Milan? And this is what I have my issue with this. Hazem, who's a Milan fan, support a team, but be realistic. You can still support a team, but still be realistic. And being realistic is that Milan do not have any world-class players. 
and they're not sniffing any trophy anytime soon. And that's just reality because when you look at their entire squad, they've, they've got a guy who will become world-class in about three, four years in Donnarumma. But apart from that, they do not have anybody that's a world-class player. Uh, quickly, Carl, how, how do you feel about the Serie A players putting the red mark on their face to bring awareness to domestic violence? Yes. Uh, so this weekend, the number And of... Cristiano had the red paint on, which is kind of... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, it, 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 um... I knew that you were going to make a comment like that. <laughs> it, 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 it shows the cognitive dissonance on display between a lot of these very well-meaning campaigns that seek to raise awareness and how football uh, and why the society is, is willing to turn a blind eye when you need to do something more than raise awareness. So as as we've spoken before about Cristiano Ronaldo and the very serious criminal investigation is and allegations put towards him, it is particularly interesting to see him where such a symbol and being involved in a campaign. It's also particularly interesting to see basically any Juventus player do so following Juventus's comment about Cristiano Ronaldo following the, the reopening of the criminal case. But if the, 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 the intention of the campaign is to raise awareness, then then the fact we're talking about it has raised awareness, has it not? That was my point. I figured it was, it was worth talking about. But it's just kind of odd. It is an interesting when, thing. When, and it's it, it, it kind of odd where particular people kind of wear or symbolize specific things. It's like, hmm. Anyone currently listening to this podcast that is wondering what they can do, um, I just would suggest to you, you know, consider making a charitable Christmas donation to a woman's shelter. And uh, I think that'll be that. All right. Um, now, can anybody tell me what 14 times 3 is? Is that 42 or something? That is our league uh, update. Um, <laughs> PSG have... <laughs> No, no, points. no, we are not moving that quickly. <laughs> Don't you dare move that quickly. 14 they, wins in a row. They have a 15-point gap, but there's a 15-point gap between them and Leon. So if you take out PSG, like I say, <laughs> you, 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 like Leon have 27, Montpellier have 26, Leo have 26, Marseille have 25. Why, why are you... Why Saint Etienne you... have 23, Nice have 23. Like, it's tight, but there's PSG and, you know, they're just going to win every game. So... Interesting thing about PSG right now, uh, Neymar and Mbappe are currently injured. Both got injured on international duty, both unlikely to play on Wednesday against Liverpool in their... Well, no, I think Mbappe said, like, he'll be fine. Mbappe said he'll be fine. Okay, in their must-win game against Liverpool. And we played also, Di Maria and we played Draxler. Oh, no. Draxler. Interesting about Jackson. Jackson is now playing in a in a more central role. He's more or less partnering with Verratti in that in that centre midfield. And of course, the one 0 victory for PSG saw the return of Dani Alves. Did he came it? off the bench after a long injury absence following an ACL tear that saw him out of the World Cup. Welcome back to football, Dani Alves. We miss you. Also in League One, Monaco won their very first game under Shout Thierry Henry. And they won yes. they won one 0 thanks to a round of Ramadal. Falcao free kick. That was a lot more complicated to say than I thought it'd be. Um, <laughs> uh, and and Leon, Manchester United fans, if you listen to this podcast, Raphael is uh, currently can be available on a free transfer at the end of this season. Um, he put in a nasty tackle this week and got himself a straight red card. Who fitted? Oof, awful. Um, and also Memphis Depay celebrating the fact he's got five million Instagram followers. <laughs> 
I was about to bring it hey, up. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, it was alright. Why are you laughing, man? I'm going to call it a freestyle. I'm going to call it a freestyle. I'm going to call it a freestyle. That was not, nah, man. Not these, nah, not, they, they, he had some bars. He had some bars. He, he had better bars than Lukaku, and I'll say that. Bo, no, no, no. Lukaku, and I, I, I was going to sacrifice the rest of the questions. I'm sorry, people. We're not going to get to your questions. We'll just we'll, we'll ask some of them next week. But Lukaku trying to rap the evils. We didn't talk about that last week, but I wanted to touch on it this week. People are trashing on the bars that Lukaku rap. Those are J bars. Just, be, just because Lukaku's saying them doesn't make them fart bars. They're still <laughs> good bars. But it's just like Lukaku speaking in his third language or fourth language or whatever, so he doesn't really know where to put the emphasis on some of the words, I guess. It was good rap. It was just bad rapping. As for Memphis, they're just trying to be Drake. Drake. Look, man, it's the the invasion of the light-skinned army, man. I was going to let you take that one. I'm, I'm, I'm outnumbered on this podcast, so <laughs> I'll let it go. Um, I just wanted to shout out to uh, the greatest striker of all time uh, who retired. Oh, my God. After, we, we, we didn't even dis- dis- discuss that. After that 20 years in the game. How the, the hell did we not even discuss that? The big man actually, for the big occasions, number 11. Can I um, say one thing very, very quick? The guy that had a perm for like 15 <laughs> years for no reason. I think it's because he was going ball, but he's still the greatest striker of all time. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, because people got on me when, when I did my tribute vid. Drogba or Eto? You didn't mention Eto. You just called him the greatest, right? No, 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 no. I said that he is the second best lone striker behind George Weah. George Weah for me is still the best lone striker of all time. Okay. And But I said that of his gen- gen- generation, I will be the best striker. But I just, I totally blanked on, on, on Eto. I totally blanked. Drogba, so, no. Eto is the, if we want to use your argument, Eto is the better footballer. Drogba is the better is the greater player. How about that? He stopped the Civil War, not by himself, but he was the catalyst behind stopping uh, the Ivorian Civil War. So you got to give him no, credit no, no, for no, that. No, yeah, I'm, I'm always I'm Jogbo Veto, so. Really? Do, do you have like a footballing reason for that, or is it just like his personality pushes him over the edge? He's a better striker and a better human being than Sam Eto. Although, what Eto did with Guardiola when he went on like that French TV station and he just like outed Guardiola, I had to give him props for that. That uh, was dope. Right, so there is a historically, like, it's an infamous interview that is circulated around loads of football journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Samuel Eto in The Guardian from about 2006. And it's given, basically, if you want to learn how to be a football journalist and interview footballers, you are given this interview as basically, a, do, do not do this. This is the, one of the worst interviews in footballing history. Don't do this. Um, and it also shows you like what you can do when the interview just goes down south. And the football just absolutely has no interest in talking to you. You can check that one out. But yeah, um, I just wanted to say shout out to Didier Drogba. It's like mm. my favorite player of all time. So happy retirement. Wait, wait of um, all time? My my Yeah, my favorite player of all time. I'm a Chelsea fan at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> I have standards. Like, my favorite player is going to be a Chelsea player. And it's why, not going to be John Terry. Why, so. why wouldn't it be John, John Terry, though? You know why. Big reasons. Huge reasons. Huge. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, all right. So do we have any other topics we want to get through? I don't know. Cool, man. Let's, let's see whether um, third time lucky. Oh, yes, yes there, is, there is one thing I want to talk about. Uh, okay. It's the women's Ballon d'Or next week. The what? Uh, the women's Ballon d'Or. Oh, women's Ballon d'Or. Okay. So it's the very first inauguration of that with the Women's World Cup in France in 2019. I recommend you all check it out. Marta won the FIFA Best Award. Male counterpart was won by Luka Modric. 
Um, I don't imagine Marta's going to win the Ballon d'Or. Uh, victory in the FIFA Best Award was a, uh, was a slight eyebrow raiser. It was more of a, wait, what? You just mentioned whatever. Okay. For this one, I quite like Wendy Renard, who currently plays for Lyon, but she's a defender, so she might not win it. So look for players like Megan Rapinoe. Um, anyone who's currently playing FIFA 19, The Journey, will most likely know Megan Rapinoe. Um, Lucy Bruns, Frank Kirby from the Women's Super League Chelsea. at Chelsea are also nominated. And I want to say Australian Sam Kerr is is most likely to win, who is the uh, all-time leading goal scorer in the Women's League in North America. It's basically looking like her time to win. So, yeah, give give that a cursory look. And also, you know, pe- you know give football a cursory look as we're heading into a, what could be a very exciting Women's World Cup. Thanks so. Yeah, this has been the Talking Tactics Podcast. Remember, we do this every Tuesday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, if you would. Um, if you're listening on an Apple device, you could subscribe. It's free. Thank you to, I think it was PC Red from India from the beginning. Uh, really appreciate that. Spotify as well. If you're on Spotify, please follow us there. Where can I follow you guys individually? Anchorman616. That's half hope hot. I'm at Daniel to look. Talking Tactics Podcast, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace out. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.